Well, so you're not a live music show going person, but you've seen Radiohead three times. I had to, but the first, <laughs> like, like, are you just, you feel like when you have the chance to see them, you're like, well, fuck, I got to go see them. Yeah. The problem was, uh, I'm from Colorado and they, um, never would play Colorado. That's fine. And uh, really, they've never done like a Red Rocks. Well, that would be incredible. They did Red Rocks. They got their gear stolen at Red Rocks. <laughs> uh, every great band has a gear stolen. How how do you steal a band's gear? Do you just get in the van just, and turn the key and they, leave? It's it's a weird story. Like no one really knows. Uh, the gear never showed up. It was all of this expensive gear. Um, and yeah, it got stolen at, at Red Rocks. And uh, they. Did not return to Colorado for quite some time. Fuck you, Colorado State of Thieves. Well, I mean, I don't blame them. I think, <laughs> I think they played one show, but then they had a thing where they were like uh, our carbon footprint and getting oh my up God. to Red Rocks, uh, where I graduated high school. <laughs> um, ah. This was like 2016. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, oh, how do you as a band like Radiohead get their shit? I was going to joke that they wrote, uh, then they wrote Hail to the Thief. Uh, oh, after nice. their uh, nice. their Red Rocks few, the, the idea, you know. But again, I, I'm not sure how a band like Radiohead would get their shit stolen, like in the 2010s. I would I imagine it's incredibly the, common. No, this was this was a, a back in like 99. So they did write "Hail to the Thief" right? about the state of Colorado. Yes. Great, vindicated. Welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing the A number one greatest with a bullet rock and roll band that has ever existed in this or any other universe, the single greatest force of creativity in modern popular music, a collection of musical gods on earth, it's Radiohead. From humble beginnings as a pub rock band at one of the poshest schools in Britain to humble success as one of the biggest rock bands in the world. The only thing you can't say about these boys is they don't not do the absolute most. And today we'll be talking head from every angle from an unauthorized 2000 biography from Mac Randall called Exit Music, the Radiohead story. <laughs> wow. How I'm, do you feel about that, Molly? I'm exhausted already. <laughs> but first, let's introduce our own guest. He's an independent musician and producer from, <laughs> guess where, Brooklyn. Lives in Brooklyn, not from Brooklyn. Lives in Brooklyn. Well, from lives, he's produces music sure. out. Sure, I've been here. Based, <laughs> based in guess where, Brooklyn. There we go. It's Masita. Hi, Masita. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, we're happy to be here. We're happy to be finally talking head. Uh, talking heads uh, on the show. Uh, I guess this one has been a long time coming, as it's been a a, sl- a, a l- long time. Intro heads will will have uh, gathered that it, that there's a, a slow brewing conflict between me and Molly about uh, Radiohead. Good or nah? Uh, so I guess that's what we're going to be litigating today, and we'll be getting into the, all the nuance of Molly, Masita's, and my opinions on Radiohead Yes. today. Yes. I guess where we start, if unless anybody has any uh, further opening patter that they would like to put on the table. No. No. I guess we're going <laughs> to get right into it. What is everybody's experience with Radiohead? Would you Would you like to start? Sure, I yes. will start. Yes, uh, yes first. Radiohead uh, is my favorite band. 
of all time. Mm. Um, even though I think Deer Hoof is my favorite band right now. But mm. I don't know. It, it goes Deer back Hoof and rocks. forth. Opened up for Radiohead. Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, I was in uh, high school and I was listening to like Nickelback and Linkin Park and stuff. And uh, um, started doing theater. And all of my theater friends were really into Radiohead. And uh, it was around the time I was getting my driver's license. And um, uh, I would like take my car uh, with my mom. And because uh, you had to get like the the certain amount of hours driving. Oh, yeah. Right. And I would sneak into media play and buy Amnesiac and buy Hail to the Thief and go home, put it in the, the CD player. And it just blew my mind. I'm like, this music is is amazing. Um, and from that, they became my favorite band. Uh, I was on their uh, forum online. Uh, That's how you know what's it's it called? Was, what's the Radiohead forum called? It, do, it no longer exists, but it was called Addie's Web. And it was <laughs> cool, cool. one of the greatest music uh, communities. Um, yeah, it has a lot of history and a lot of, um, a lot of stories around it. I, I'm sure the Addie's Web archives are a rich source of, opi- of musical opinions online. It was, a, it was a great place. So yeah, very, very obsessed with them. Followed all their live stuff and just, uh, yeah, they're, they're uh, heroes of mine. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, yeah, that seems like a... a uh, a pretty typical story of being like looking, trying to grasp out there for uh, what might be uh, realer in music than Nickelback or like, you know, whatever you hear on the radio. But and also meeting the art kids and they're like, hey, you want some of this? Shit? It's the art kids. <laughs> that's the music recommended during like by slightly cooler people who do like theater or whatever is like super potent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just that that's such an influenceable time. And so kind of no matter what it is for me, it was like bright eyes <laughs> that, that yeah. was like that was like my theater like juice. Um, but yeah, ra- Radiohead's honestly like way, way more of a solid wreck than bright eyes in that sense. But well, you get totally theater had a, a definite split <laughs> uh. Uh, and a lot of the friends that I'm friends with were kind of theater kids socially. Mm. Uh, but you also had a lot of people who were obsessed with Queen mm. and Muse was bigger in our theater than Radiohead was. Um, but, you know, my friends that like Bright Eyes and like Radiohead, Death Cab, oh. I, I went over to them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, yeah. you gravitated. Yeah. You were beamed up. Um, can, I talk, can I talk about Yeah, it? I think Radiohead? I should go last. You should yeah. go last. Um, I, I love Radiohead. Uh, I have, they're one of the bands that I have, have known about for the longest in life. And we're definitely one of those bands that I knew about before I could purchase my own music. And therefore, I read about them way more than I listened to them, especially in my early days with my father's Rolling Stone subscription. And so I, the the first like exposure I had to Radiohead was Hail to the Thief. Mm. And it was like venerable band Radiohead comes out with, you know, this acerbic, lacerating music, <laughs> uh, you know, taking shots at the, the our shitty cowboy president. And I was like, that's cool. That's cool. And I like kind of list, I listened to like bits and pieces of that a little bit where I could get my hands on it, but I couldn't really afford my own music at the time. <laughs> and then uh, In Rainbows was the first like major exposure I had because I paid what a dollar want. for yes. it because that's what I wished to pay because I was 17. That was a, pers- a how, perfectly how reasonable radical. price. Although you know who did that first? Who? Girl Talk. Yes. Well, that was around the same time that I was also Paying mainlining that. I paid. Yeah. I think I paid zero dollars for Girl Talk. I almost. If Girl Talk has a Patreon, I will like sub. <sighs> I will post 
not posthumously. I'm, I'm going to add this to the and intro bingo. Us wishing girl talk would come back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cosign. Yeah. yeah. But I loved loved in rainbows kind of drifted away from them a little bit uh, for the few albums after and then saw them at Coachella 2017. 2017? Yes. Uh, and was just like blown away. Their live show is so good and weird. And at one point, Tom York was just like making nonsense syllables. Like he like he just finished a song and he was just like, blah, 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 blah. How could I think you I tell, remember that. How yeah. could you tell when the song ended? I could tell when the I'm song only, ended. I'm only, I'm, throughout this whole Ouch. episode, I, I, I'm going to come off way pissier than I actually am about it because I, I just feel like they're such a burnable band. You're, Chris is having Burn? what I would say is like a, almost like a heel turn on the show <laughs> between yeah. Vampire Weekend and this. Of just we being are like invest- a little bit of a hater. I, and that's I, I, okay. We are investigating two of the things that I, uh, We'll get we'll get to my, yeah. my feelings. About anyway, this. Radiohead, I've liked them for a long time. I've known about them for a long time. I've only gotten more into them the older I've gotten. I think the live show is sick. I've seen them again once since then. Uh, I just I'm I'm here for it. I think their songs are interesting, cool, weird, uh, multi layered, takes you up and down and around, rhythmically complex, melodically complex. It's just like interesting music for interesting times. Radiohead taught you it was okay to be weird. I don't think they, no, I think my friend who got me into Bright Eyes taught me it was okay to be weird. But Radiohead was just like, yeah, you know, we're around. <laughs> and weird, Chris. Here's my thing. I don't dislike Radiohead. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get why you would like it. It is, I, I understand the parameters of it and what buttons it pushes and strings it pulls. Yes. I just don't care. They are, my opinion to them is in fact neutral musically like in terms of taste i i am like a true neutral in radiohead take could take or leave they have some stuff i like they have some stuff that i don't like it's i've never listened to a radiohead song other than like a very very few songs like creep and some stuff off the bends that i would like i could see myself coming back to this and and seeking out but the thing is is that the cult of radiohead and also me as a person in my musical taste and my whole gestalt broadcasts person who should be Radiohead fan. And thus I have had from other people throughout my entire life, Radiohead foisted upon me as something that has the uh, opening pattern for this very episode uh, was a bit of a, <laughs> hopefully not too subtle tongue in cheek satire to um, projected to me as, as like, this is the best band ever. And it is a, in fact, a, a sin or a treason that you don't care for them. And that has made me have more negative feelings because they have been pushed on me by uh, uh, most people. And in fact, I think the most exemplar moment of this is the person who lived next to me in my freshman college dorm. And the, and the one dorm over was a classical bass major, absolute like music theory uh, nerd. Lived an in an upright realm. boy. Oh no. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> and he the way that he and Radiohead was his by far and away favorite band. And the way that he pushed them on me was like being in his dorm room, like, you know, October freshman year, like very early on and having him put on like uh, kid a songs and being like, listen to how complicated this is. Listen to how oh, he no. adjusts <laughs> to the Mixolydian minor in this oh, chord no. transition in the third bridge of this song. And I'm like, dude, I don't care. And but that is how I've always felt Radiohead to be uh, uh, pushed, and those are all the buttons about music that I 
absolutely do not respond to. And as part of that, I have perhaps performatively uh, adopted the uh, the Radiohead sucks uh, mantra because what I'm really masking is I just don't care. And the push on me I have felt throughout my entire musical career, just based on like w- what I would seem receptive to, uh, I feel like I have had to adopt a uh, you know a, a a contrarian Radiohead sucks persona just to avoid it. What do you call it when you get a, a vir- uh, um, vaccine? Is inoculating? You have to like yeah. inoculate yeah. yourself yeah, yeah. in order to. You have to put out negative vibes in order yes. to even like fr- defrag the uh, the notion of getting exactly. Because the thing is, is like if if somebody tries to sell me for the fortieth time on myxomatosis or whatever. Uh, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't really care about Radiohead. If I pitch it as that, then the, my interlocutor will then say, wait, let me tell you why myxomatosis actually fucking rocks. And then I have to be like, you if don't understand. If I you told, don't care. You, you're the kind of person that if someone has to tell you or convince you, it's not going to work. People are trying to put it, force it through your brain yeah, yeah. hole, and instead you need to feel it in your your soul hole. So I, and if you don't, then you don't. Yeah. <laughs> and so I have to. And I do, and I think you do same, too. Same. And so I have to preemptively uh, uh, be the uh, the the burn police. Yeah. On uh, on Radiohead, uh, and you know what, motherfuckers, I have seen a live Radiohead show. I've seen what they offer live. I've listened to almost every one of their albums, top to bottom. I've put in the work. Mm-hmm. I've given it a shot. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to get there. I just, it's yeah. just not going to get there for me. And I just, I'm just begging, I'm begging everyone <laughs> to, to see me and say, that's okay. That's okay. Well, first of all, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. First thank of you. all, uh, starts crying. I've never been validated. <laughs> I'm the type of person where if even if a friend just texts me, hey, listen to the song, I'm like, I'm not going to enjoy it. Like, <laughs> just anyone who forces, like, if I feel forced to enjoy something, I'm probably not going to. So, I mean, I, it sounds like you definitely have been pressured and understandably because the Radiohead fan base, uh, there's a certain part of it that definitely, um, I think is uh gives a toxic um fume it's, it's, it's very evangelical <laughs> i'm also just just thinking thinking about come on chris all the all the cool kids are doing it try some radiohead <laughs> well and it's also like uh being a part of forums and stuff like so um not to sound like um you know better than most radiohead fans but <laughs> there really was a, a on Addie's, uh there was a section of fans um that went to the website for Radiohead. Uh, like I went there for the 2016 tour because they were debuting new songs like mm-hmm. every single show. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I want to hear new Radiohead. And it was a really fun experience where we're all just like, sure, people are live uh, sending out, like they didn't have tweets back then, but like just sending out, oh, this, this new song sounds like this. They, they had tweets in 2016. Or not 2016, uh, 2006. 2006. Yes, yeah, sure. I'm okay, um, sorry. Uh, oh, it was what a, a long time, time. ago. Huh. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, no videos of the show, barely People audio. had camera phones. They were exceptionally shitty. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a, this is a bit of a um, tangent, but semi-recently, I was trying to look up footage from a Daft Punk's 2007 Lollapalooza yeah. set, <laughs> which I was at, and I remember being at Ooh. one of the best. You were there. I was there. It was one of the best Ooh. concerts 
2006 or 2007? 2007. One of the best concerts I've ever been at Lollapalooza, it was LCC Sound System closing the night at sunset, and then the sunset, and I literally turned around in the field, and Daft Punk's Pyramid lit up behind me to do the Daft Punk uh, set. It was one of the best one-two punches I've Mm. ever seen, so I was trying to look some stuff up from that. Even, you know, a decade later, you would think that there'd be some archival footage of it. Almost no good footage exists of that thing. So, yeah, which goes to it's show kind of cool. Like, it's kind of cool. I'll, all it lives I have is on my memories. your memories. And now on this podcast. So, which is all to say that, like in 2006, if you wanted to hear the new material that was coming mm-hmm. out live, that was an extremely rare commodity. But it was cool too because uh, there was a community of tapers that had really good equipment. And so you would hear a leak of like, oh, they played a new song. And then you might hear a a title or some lyrics or what it sounded like, maybe like, Oh, this, this one is a acoustic rocker or something like that. Sure. Um, the next day, probably you might get a bad audio clip. You might get a really good one. If one of the good tapers were there, uh, there were a few shows that, uh, there were just like, Oh, I guess a taper wasn't at the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that, that's how it rolled. Uh, and even back then, uh, people in the fan base were being, kind of crappy to some of the tapers like there was mm. one taper that was just like you know i i don't really want this out like it was kind of weird because it was like okay why are you <laughs> like, telling why, people why are you, why are you, why are you telling online? people yeah. that you tape the show but um mm. yeah like the community was uh was always kind of fractured but from that um the people who stuck around kind of went to like there was a general forum and a music forum mm-hmm. And the music forum, Robin Pecknold from Fleet Foxes was posting there. Hell oh, yeah. shit. As Robin Pecknold, before he got famous, I'm like, why does anybody use their actual name? <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, there were just a, a few people. Um, we were in the music forum. Bec- it was one of the best uh, places on the internet for music leaks. Sure. Um, and I was a gigantic music pirate because uh, like, I was broke and I, I was just like, it was 2006 and these things were possible. Oh my God. It, it blew my mind. And I'm just soaking up all this new music, like all these independent releases, Grizzly Bear, National, Spoon, Deer Hoof, Ooh, uh, yeah. LCD Sound System, uh, The Walkman. I'm like, all of these bands I had not heard of before. I was just, I grew up in a red county. Like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it was blowing my mind. But when you jumped back into the main section of Radiohead in the forum, you're like, these people are insane. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. No, you're not going to meet Tom. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. Like, <laughs> And if you did, what would you say to him? Seriously. So that I think. And what if thing, Tom was one of <laughs> us? <laughs> Thank you. The same thing happened more recently with Reddit. There was a Radiohead Reddit. Sure. Anytime I stopped in there, I'm like, it was like the music Reddit. You're like, this is the worst place on the internet. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's different. And here, like, I don't want to be too derisive of it, but like someplace, like when you say the phrase Radiohead Reddit, all I can imagine is the place that collects the people who have the most normal taste in music that think they have the absolute best taste in music. If, mm. if that makes sense, you know? Sure. Definitely. Like yes. there, I'm sure there are some or huge be- Mondo Radiohead fans out there that have exceptional taste in music, but the median person who's like my favorite band is is Radiohead is somebody who has fairly normal taste in music, 
that thinks they have the best taste. Well, or I would just say even cares about taste in music as like sure. any kind of factor Definitely. of life at yeah. all. When mm-hmm. I, I mean, everyone has different tastes in music, and I would say some people probably have bad taste, but kind of valuing that as part of like one's personality or life no, to the extent that one probably does in those forums. No, and the maybe li- a bit. In the line, I guess I want to draw between this and the uh, Vampire Weekend episode and our whole uh, thesis of the show is that you have to go beyond taste and recognize that uh, the things that you like are simply things that you like and have nothing to do with what is the objective best or worst. And you need to find your own uh, uh, metric and realize that that is, has nothing to do with anybody else's objective metric and go beyond that, which is something that I feel like I bring, try to bring to the Radiohead discussion, but then everybody tells me I'm wrong. (laughs) We won't tell you that you're wrong. This is a safe space. It is. It's a safe space for you to not be a Radiohead To not be uh, stand. Uh, triggered by Radiohead fans. 100%. What, what would Radiohead's stands be called? What would the Stan army be called for Radiohead? Uh, karma police. That's good Car- Would it be like karma cops, though? A parano- you, need, you need a, a collective. Uh, androids? Paranoid androids? Paranoid androids. That's a good one. That's good. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Creeps? <gasps> that, that would, that would be actually. Cut. No one's heard that song. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was trying to think of like, I don't know. Is anything off of? I, I'm trying to just even weird weird it. fishes. Weird fishes. That's pretty good. Yeah. Weird fishes. Yeah. No, it, cre- it, it would it would absolutely be creeps. It yeah. would be. And then if someone said something bad about good. Tom, then you would flood their menchies and be like, "We're, we're creeps, and Cre- you creep should army. go. You should go uh, yeah. jump in a hole." But if you say they're creeps, they're going to be like, "What creep is that song? That's yeah, the, right. who the band? Yeah, yeah. Like, no, creeps the wor- Creeps actually the worst Radiohead song." I hate, I hate that song. I mean, it's a fantastic song, and it's definitely like it's different. I, it's but it has it has some serious quality to it. Um, it's different from a lot of their work, and it's one of their earliest songs. Like they grew from that. Like yeah. it is what it is. It doesn't have to. You don't have to scratch it from the record. And it's also, you know, by far not their best song in my opinion. But like, yeah. There's middle ground. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I think w- let's classic. start off at a good place for all three of us. Creep rocks. Yeah. Dirt, dirt. Yeah. Well, now I'm just imagining um, Law and Order SVU, Here, let, but with the ju- the dun duns replaced with the. Ju- 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 oh my god! Uh, let's mean. start with a, <laughs> let's start with a little bit of creep to just get us all on the the same page, yeah. uh, and just talk about like start out on a positive note. This feels like it really fits into like the early '90s. This, this fits in really well with like a Nirvana type yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's the, the muddy soft, guitar loud, soft, tone. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Here we go, right into the oh, chorus. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah. So like one long sustained chord. I've always loved how the hi hat rides very cleanly above the entire song. Oh, I could talk about their drummer all day. Mm. Are you a member of the um, the Phil fan club? I'm a member of all of the fan club, but <laughs> Phil, definitely. I mean, this is like basically like a Pixie song or like Black Hole song, Sun or something like yeah, Soundgarden. Definitely. It fits right in there, but it slaps as hard as hard or harder as any of those. It's great. It's weird in its own way. No, this is a great a great song. We can all start here and now 
get into the story of Radiohead? We're, yeah, we're, we're in the Twitter meme where it's like the handshake. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a three-part handshake, and we're right. all saying creep Creep is good. Creep is good. Honestly, right, maybe get... the meme, meme is creep, uh, Radiohead fans, Radiohead haters, uh, and in the middle is creep slaps. There we go. Yeah. Great. Let's hear this chit one more time. But I'm a creep. I also like that he, because Tom is a big, like, uh, sustainy vibrato we guy and I like that he ends creep before the guitar comes in yep. it's, oh, it's, it's cool it's I'm, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid we won't get to the uh, the long sustained whales for a second should we hold out just to hear this so, I mean here we are no it's good it's good the and I know that this is a vocal style that he brings a lot later but I've never liked it as much as, as here because it's simple here. It's simple, it's straightforward. The composition is simple. Like, what they're doing is very clear. His voice is the most dramatic thing about the thing. This is all This is all going to come back because it's going to affect how I my like of Radiohead diminishes as they try to do more because this is, like, the purest distillation of, like, so much of what they're good at. Mm. Oh, it's great. Anyway, it's funny. I I'll, I'll say I'll save my like uh, treatise about how like early '90s R&B might have actually like influenced <laughs> this vocal uh, progression. It almost sounds like a like a old like early '90s Mariah Carey where she just like lets it build and build and then just like goes fucking really? ape shit. That's, um, a, that's right? an awesome take. Doesn't it kind of suck? Because he yeah. really holds back until he doesn't. Yeah, and then we because let, pop divas loose, do the same thing. They, kind of, I think, a lot of times they're like, wait until the bridge should just go OTT, and it's this, great. And he, page. it sounds awesome. Let's um, now that now that we've all kind of cleansed, we've we burned some sage. Yeah, with that with creep. Yeah, yeah. We, let's talk about this book. Um, this is a weird book. We were when we were talking about what kind of literature might um, serve our discussion of Radiohead best. I found like a Reddit post that was like a guy who had I, I, a person who uh, compiled a bunch of Radiohead books and was just like, "Here's what's good and here's what sucks." And this was one of the good ones, or so he said. But he's basically like, "Yeah, it's kind of like it's like a journalist, but he really sounds more like a fan. Like <laughs> he's like a journalist with no objectivity. Like he's a journalist who just like this is his pet project." And this was written, so it was written in 2000. It was written, like, the press cycle, sorry, the press cycle for um, OK Computer had already basically completed, and the book ends with uh, speculation of what Kid A is going to be. I don't even know if they knew it was going to be called Kid A by the end. Whatever. Um, so it's written at this kind of precarious time because on one hand, it's like Radiohead did so much, but they still have so much to do, such as use synthesizers <laughs> a bunch or use them more than they than they did on OK Computer. But so this is also an unauthorized biography because there's no authorized biography of Radiohead because that's not shit that they participate in in any way. They would like to be excluded from this narrative. I can see them maybe, like I can see maybe Tom doing something at some point, but I honestly feel like the, he doesn't think that the written word serves him best in any way. And maybe so like at Garth Brooks thing, where it's like a whole like <laughs> compendium project. More like an like, objet. Yeah, like a, like a book object that is like the, collect, the collection of his life into a... a uh, uh, a, a written project. Yes. What's that? Oh, that is my chili finishing cooking. <gasps> That's the chili. Ooh, congratulations. Ooh. I was uh, like, is sorry. something on fire? No. No, it's just the chili just finishing Just the chili. Cooking. 
What was the uh, Chris Haynes? What was Chris what was, Gaines? Hey, Chris, Chris Gaines. Gaines. Yes. Chris Gaines. Yes. Um, I just I needed to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. You, you all you always must know who who the other version of um, Garth is. But so it's a it's a funky book. It's like kind of a fan object, kind of a kind of an objective or not objective, but sort of compendium of their actual history and trying to be accurate. Um, and the the rationale that the author has for writing it is like. Radiohead is just so different. They diverge from the rock norm. And in the year 2000, the rock norm was definitely like a certain type of way. I think he probably thought they're like, there's no better time to write this book than now. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the, I don't know, 2000 was kind of bleak in that sense. Well, I think, I think it's interesting. And this goes back to what we were talking about in uh, our last episode on 9-11. It's like, so, okay, we just talked about creep and that fits right in with that like Nirvana like early nineties uh, grunge sound. Uh, and then that sound basically diverged slowly over the course of the nineties into like new metal. Oh, like yeah. that's where that went. Alternative mm-hmm. rock, alt, alt rock, angry, aggressive, boisterous, silly. And then super masculine, super masculine. And then Radiohead kind of forged another path that almost no other band went down, which is basically like thoughtful, intellectual, explorative, dare I say, a feat in like a positive sense, uh, effervescent mm-hmm. yeah, uh, in, yeah, so, in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well, well, you know, but, but you know, when you think about like that, that initial impulse, which is, I mean, I, who, who, who can say where Nirvana would have gone if they continued developing, but mm-hmm. you know, it certainly seems from what m- most people consider to know about Kurt that he may have pursued or, you know, like, like have had a had a more thoughtful impulse than just barreling down towards the most aggressive impulses of grunge. Yeah, if you take grunge as the ground zero, it's like either the aggressive impulses or the thoughtful impulses. Yeah. And Radiohead, to their credit, seems to have followed the thoughtful ones. Oh, I dream of a timeline where Nirvana and Radiohead were existing at the same time and could almost compete with each other. Yeah, yeah. What would they make? Because I think that what Nirvana could offer uh, down the road, especially looking at what Radiohead offered from coming off of Creep, yeah, uh, like it's. I think it's very similar to Talk Talk. Has a a single that is smash hit becomes you know very, uh, very pop, very pop, um, and ends up you know ten years down the line uh, changing music completely obliterating um, what people think they should be making, where their trajectory should go, uh, and, and making music that they want to make. Um, I think that they had a tremendous influence on Radiohead. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what song are you referring to? Of Talk Talk? Yeah. Uh, just the album uh, um, uh, Laughing Stock and Spirit of Eden, uh, especially starting with Spirit of Eden, they've really started um, changing it up. Mark Hollis passed away this year. Ah. Uh, but Laughingstock, um, the label thought that uh, Laughingstock was uh, titled because uh, they thought that that's what the label was going to be because they released that album. <laughs> and it's um, some of the most beautiful music. You should play their their pop song first. Which which one is the pop, um, pop song? Let's see. There's Talk Talk. I think the, the, the Ooh, song. Are they the, the fun type of band that the... Um they have a, a song named after themselves. Yeah, and it was one of their first songs, I believe. Oh, uh, the Everybody Talk Talk. That song? 
I don't know if I've heard. I'm sure I've heard this. You've, you've without realizing it's an 80s this. hit. Wait, is it? It's my life, as in the. It's my life. Talk talk dun, cover. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. No Here doubt covered. Talk talk. Oh shit. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Okay, so, um, from that play, uh, like, laughing stock is it's kind of hard to just say, uh, bring this song up and you know, it's it's an album that you have to, it's so quiet you have to sit down and experience it. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, new grass is a is a good example of where they went from that. Yeah, and and I think one could definitely make the connection of where Talk Talk went and kind of where Radiohead went with Kid A. Yeah. Um, so they go from there. You you know a band d- did what you're talking about when they their Wikipedia split up into uh, formation, commercial success, and experimental period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, three, the, three, uh, the three phases. This is one of the most beautiful songs ever made. Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely see what you're, hear what you're talking about. I mean, I'm sure that this would benefit from just giving a serious listening all the way through. Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, the, know, bi- really the, big, the bigness the and the shininess yeah. and having it be dialed back. Yeah, totally. Like the the, the like jazzy drumming long. and like, yeah. Oh, Every, just, everyone should be allowed to have an experimental period. Mm-hmm. Like all pop stars should. I mean, some, you, sometimes they do. Uh, but that, usually that's like, I'm wearing this costume and now I'm going to wear a different costume as well, opposed to like musical changes. Every uh, every band's third album, they should just be uh, like their ga- Like their gap year, yeah, their yeah. rum spring, pop yeah. rum spring. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And it'd be like, no, you, we're not getting, we're not giving you hits. Like I'm not trying for that. I'm just trying to do whatever I want to do. And that's like a social, like, socially accepted thing. I think that kind of is a third album. The third album is so crucial for an artist because the you can have the sophomore slump or you can, you know, try and follow it up. But that third album, you have to, you have to say like, well, no, you know, I'm going to stick uh, around. Yeah. Three creates a pattern, you know? Yep. Uh, one and two can be very similar and third can be a, depar- a departure. And then you kind of, between, you know, it takes three points to like triangulate uh, something. Definitely. And that's why I'm excited for whatever Lord puts out next. Yeah. That's right, sure. Lord. We're waiting for you. Just kidding. Take your time, Lord. You're like 22 years old. Yeah. Uh, no, I totally get, I totally get what uh, you're saying. It, and this whole like idea that we've been talking about around of like trajectories is very interesting because of all those bands that were, you know, grouped in things and also like the Britpop bands, you know, most of the mm-hmm. Britpop mm-hmm. bands kept making more of the same and a lot of those albums are very good. <laughs> you like this? Well, Here's I mean, more. I mean, Sorry, that was terrible. Pulp, pulp is a weird divergence on that because Absolutely. they were making like post-punk albums in the 80s for like a decade and then they were like, oh, there's this thing called Britpop we can do that and then made three fantastic ones and mm-hmm. then three or four fantastic ones and quite um, well that's a that's interesting too because i think like the the big three uh like oasis blur radiohead yeah yeah um i mean people might not think that that's the big three in my mind that's like the three big that i well, always I consider think of pulp one of the 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 big three uh, pulp is definitely yeah but let's yeah. just say in those co- in the 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 a tier cohort mm-hmm. of the pop hands i grew up with uh oasis um, with Wonderwall at first, and then Blur with uh, I almost said Wooha. <laughs> song two, Wooha. Yeah, yeah, song two. Um, and like after that, uh, Radiohead, I, th- I, I think is the first band that really was like, no, we're gonna do our own thing. Mm-hmm. Blur, I think, 
kind of stuck with it and then like we're trying to figure out what they were doing and then Damon Auburn kind of ju- jumped ship. Uh, let's even think about this split from like in just in rock music from aggressiveness to like thoughtfulness as one dimension. And then Damon Auburn uh, jumped ship to another dimension and did like hip hop mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Well, even before that, uh, the last blur album think tank, which is amazing. Yeah. Sounds like, I mean, it sounds like it's very inspired by, uh, maybe not Radiohead, but the direction that Radiohead took. Sure, sure, sure. And he mm-hmm. he was looking at the stagnation of rock and was like, uh, we need to switch it up. We need to do something else. Mm-hmm. Like this, especially the first track, this album is, it's a frustrating album too because there are a few songs on it that I just want to skip every single time because it's like he, he just kind of pulled back into, okay, we have to be a rock band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, he kind of it, it was like he abandoned Blur and really went for it with Gorillas. Yeah, and Demon Days I think was was him really at the peak of like okay this is who I am. Like he mm-hmm. he was making his own path in his own direction. But I think there was a similar split off where Oasis. Nope. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they, could, oh, yeah. they only had one thing. They, yep. they, yeah. Uh, this actually kind of weirdly sounds like TV on the radio who also have a song called ambulance. Oh, maybe I never made the connection, but this this sounds exactly like TV on the radio has to be inspired by this. Maybe this, maybe their ambulance is even a cover of this. I don't (laughs) even know. No, Uh, but this is ambulances off of blurs think tank 2003. But yeah, I mean, it is interesting tracking all these people because they are like all these people from that generation were also very clearly, uh, inspired. It, like flat out, they, mm-hmm. they had a lot of st- stuff to say. So like seeing how inspired people's trajectories uh, go uh, is very interesting because some people have a kind of linear in- inspiration where they can do one thing and they can kind of do it better and better and better and better. And some people have to go on a journey. And that is the Radiohead story is going on a journey. Right. And I guess, and that is the another thing story. that I would give to Radiohead fans is that you go on a journey with the band. Do you uh, do you think uh, or do you just in general prefer bands that uh, stick in their own lane for their career and get better, or do you, do you prefer bands change? That's a good question, and honestly, I think that my answer is that I like a linear band. I like a band that just gets better and better and better at its own thing. All my all my top favorites. Obviously, I've said LCD who continually remake the same album better and better and better every time they do it. Yep. Or like Devo, who just start with a great premise and uh, it kind of gets like more diluted, but it's like the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, or even I was just talking to Molly about the OCs. Mm. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who, That's exactly right. We were just having the same conversation where the OCs make a new album like every 10 months and the new album is exactly 10 degrees different from the previous album. So everything sounds almost exactly the same, but has like a very tiny difference to it. And over the course of their career, they grow, which is very interesting because over the course of, you know, 10 albums, they go from something that sounds like... (laughs) Sorry. Here we go.
So like fairly yeah. standard, uh, like indie garage punk lo-fi stuff to here, like these multi rhythms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it adds a different, different production layers. Like yeah, yeah, three or four specific things that they're like, this is the sound. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And in between there's there's all sorts of stuff in, be, in between this and they are they're like constantly moving their what their sound uh is around. Um but yeah, it it's the curve versus the linear trajectory and and I prefer the linear growth and that's probably why I don't like Radiohead. <laughs> anyway, that's a long way of saying that. <laughs> yes. Should we should we talk a little about the book? Yeah. Sure. Uh let's let's talk a little about this weird book. Um okay. This book end or this book starts in in end res. It's one of the rare books that kind of starts where it ends, which is at this um, uh, Irving Plaza show in 1997. Uh, OK Computer won't come out for another month in the United States, but they are still playing songs from it live because I think it had come out uh, a few months before in Europe, and they were pay- playing like an after show for the Tibetan Freedom concert. Sure, yes, and this was like a stacked audience the tibetan freedom concert is a a amazing lineup yeah they so like everyone like imagine i don't know if you've ever been to a show at irving plaza but it's not like the most massive show but the vip section has bono the veg the edge uh adam clayton noel am and liam gallagher damon albarn and alex james just british royalty madonna Mm -hmm. courtney love marilyn manson uh, and uh, Ed O'Brien's mom. Ed O'Brien is the um, like the the tertiary, well, tertiary all, all the, the third guitarist. All in the Irving Plaza VIP. All rubbing el- you, you talk about rubbing elbows from like Jesus a celebrity Christ, perspective. That is a stack night at the everyone yeah, who was, was there wanted to go see fucking Radiohead. That's so cool. That was yes. interesting. I was like, wow, that's so- like all these people. Um, and, uh, uh, a bunch of REM guys too, which that we'll maybe talk about them later, but REM uh, had taken Radiohead on tour and Tom York has a long relationship with Michael Stipe, which makes total sense if you think about their attitudes toward like fame and attention. Um, and so this, this was kind of like they're putting a stake in American, uh, attention toward what okay Cupid was or okay Cupid, <laughs> okay, Cupid. <laughs> okay Cupid what okay Cupid was going to become um, the it, it was voted one of the best shows of the year and it was just like Radiohead being like yeah we fucking rule like we're good yeah and it took them so long to get to that point of just like taking the stage confidently and being like yes we have good songs we put out a kind of an amazing album and like now you all get to listen to it where, so it, it ends with this like crowning moment as opposed sure. to, or it, it begins with this crowning moment, I should say, kind of proving that like, no, Radiohead, we like them. But let's go back to the beginning. They're all from Oxford or they're all like, grew up in Oxford, which is interesting because Oxford is a college town. Right. They, the, which shaped their attitude toward like, you know, privileged, college, pri- excuse me, university, privileged yes. university students. Um, they also all still, as of 2000, lived there. Like that was where their home base was, which I found interesting. Um, they're hometown boys. They're townies. Hometown boys. They're real. They're real. Uh, like to the bone townies. Yes. They, uh, you know, growing up, Tom basically by the age of like nine was like, I am going to be a rock star. He didn't have musical parents, which a lot of times, if you know that early, 
your parents are musical. His first band at age 10 had a song that he wrote called Mushroom Cloud, which was about how Badass. a, um, a, twisted, a nuclear he? explosion kind of looks worse than it is. Oh, well, it is as bad as it looks. Well, he, w- he was saying it was more the aura of the, the, the thing was, was tough. I will agree with him that a nuclear explosion is extremely bad vibes. Yeah. Baby Tom, the vibes were not great. Creep is a good, good song. Mushroom Clouds are bad. Yeah, <laughs> we're trying to find common ground, yes. build bridges. We got two things. Yes. Also, this is a unique band in that everyone knew each other in high school, um, which is crazy because that's not common to, unless like you're like a, literally related. They're to like a 16. network of a series of brothers, right? It almost seems that way. I mean, there's co- like Colin Greenwood was the first one who and joined it, Radiohead. And or, then his younger brother is Johnny Greenwood. Who was like a kid. It was in like a band uh, with. Tom's younger brother, right? Oh, I, I'm not sure I, if I got oh, that. I didn't, I didn't catch that. Detail. I didn't know. It, it might not be in the thing, but you I think I, I gleaned Radio that Radio from Radio? the, uh, the, the Wikipedia. Yes, Johnny was the last joined first on harmonica and keyboards. Is directly from Wikipedia. He previously yeah, for, hold on. You you br- brushed by this first on harmonica. That yeah. is hilarious. That's yeah. so funny. To they me. were a classic blues trio. Yeah, the Tom York Blues Explosion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he had previously been in another band, Illiterate Hands, mm. with musician Nigel Powell, who went on to do something, and uh, <laughs> and a notable York's Nigel. young younger brother or York's brother Andy York. Okay, great. Yeah, he was basically like the kid bro who then got to finally join as a, a harmonica player. Yes. Um, an early version of, and then like Ed O'Brien, the other guitarist joined uh, because Tom was like, yeah, you look like Morrissey. Um, <laughs> so like you you get to hang and Good then Good way Phil to get into bands in 1985. Great, look like Morrissey. Great way to get into bands. And uh, they, an early version of Radiohead also had three female saxophone players. Wow. Yeah. That's a hot combo. Kind of. It sounds loud to me in my head when I think about it. Three female saxophone yes. players. Eventually, that, they honestly, had to that go. seems like a uh, scheme to meet to hang out with chicks in the early rehearsal days. Maybe. <laughs> what are you gonna say? No, the, if I was going to put my head into schoolboy band practice mindset, that is what I would guess about that. The f- three female saxophonists. I don't know. Um, Female saxophone players. I don't know. Just anyone in band in general in high school. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm gay. But, like, so I was not looking at the females. But (laughs) um, just anyone in band in general. Like, I'm sorry, band kids. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know if that's the best uh, Uh, way to pick somebody up. Yes. Yeah. No, now actually I'm just remembering. Well, they're all band kids. Once again, no offense. No offense to anyone who might be listening to this. Who I know. I believe all three of us were in high school bands. Yeah. So I, I think that this is well. I was in high school band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's why. I mean. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, and as, I, no, I'm just remembering. Like, who, yeah, no, no, as no, was rough. I. I think that we are all spe- attesting to to okay. the uh, quality in, of the uh, the high school <laughs> band pickings. It's not good. It's, it's more good. just I was in choir and I would always kind of rip on the band kids. They very attractive people probably. No, choir is definitely hotter. I think high school. Well, I think high school band kids are uh, are high school uh, nerds who grew up to be hot. Thank, thank you. Is that a compliment to me? (laughs) And to me. And to you. It's a compliment to us. Um, Yes. Anyway, through female saxophone players from you know Oxford in the mid '80s. Who can say? Who can say? Um, They weirdly, and they they named this band. They they settled on the name on a Friday. (laughs) which I think is a funny name for a band. Because they practiced on Fridays, right? Um, I don't know. That's what it says on the Wikipedia. Great. 
anyone, everyone went to college, university, excuse me. Yes. Everyone went to university, which was strange because uh, that would be a great way to be like, it's time for the band to be done. And then said, no, everyone earned a degree, a diploma, and then came back and stayed in the band. At the Abingdon School. Abingdon? Abingdon. Yeah. I've never known how to pronounce it. I don't know it. how this, but how, what this Abingdon. school is. Abingdon. No, the, yeah, I think that's the high school. They went to various colleges, colleges. Okay. universities. Uh, Tom studied art. Tom's senior thesis was, um, he said, I scanned the whole of the Sistine Chapel into a hard disk, changed all the colors, and called it my own. <laughs> so he's just like a low-key digital artist. Uh, I wonder if he plays Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> great question. Uh, he also, no, we'll skip this. Um, so they all graduated. They all came back to Oxford, and they sort of regathered their strength as a band. Uh, they... The reason they got a record deal at all, which is truly insane, is that they had recorded a demo for like 300 pounds <laughs> quid at Stuttering. this like dungeon, or I guess it was like called the dungeon. And they so they had their demo. Colin worked at a record store, an EMI sales rep who just happened to be going around to all of his record stores that were in his zone and saying goodbye because he was becoming an A&R guy for EMI <laughs> happened to visit the record store. Colin got wind of this and was like, Oh, you're you, you work for the record industry. Here's my demo, which seems like something that should be fake or in a movie. Well, that seems like it happens it, constantly. Like before like 1995 is you just run into somebody and hand them your tape and then they like sign you. There was no internet. Yeah, but now IRL, could never I mean, there was internet, but it was not. Yeah, it was not very good, not very user friendly. <laughs> GeoCities didn't even exist back then. Yeah. Uh, should we listen to a hair from the On a Friday demo? I mean, this sounds very uh, 80s British? new wave to me, which I honestly like. I like this a lot. Sounds like, sounds like fake Smiths. Yes. I can understand more of the lyrics on this tinny uh, demo recording than I do on like perfectly high res versions yeah. of later <laughs> radio <laughs> songs. He was enunciating back then. It's yes. weird. Well, uh, not to jump forward in the book, but please. Uh, when he was recording, uh, I think it was Planet Telex. Yes. On the Benz. I guess he was just smashed at 4 a.m. in the corner. Yeah, he said he was lying on the ground, <laughs> which I think that explains so much of a Tom what? York vocal is just being like, oh, he was on the ground yeah, and he sure. was wasted. He was laying down. Yeah, all those things that you assume, it's true. Um, so they they made this connection with this EMI guy and then so they you know a few months passed and then by the time the EMI scout went to go see Radiohead show, they had actually built so much buzz that there were like 20 other record label scouts there. <laughs> but they were like, oh, EMI, first connection, like we'll, we'll go with you. And then, you know, ultimately they gave them the most artistic freedom. So <laughs> that's how they ended up with a record deal. Uh, and so at the time, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit, but like, the, the landscape at the time was basically like Manchester baggy. Sure. 
our good old our good old friends Baggy. So like Stone Roses, Happy Mondays, yep. and then Shoegaze yep. and Grunge. Right. And which Radiohead was kind of like adjacent to, inspired by, but then also trying to do their own thing somewhat. Mm. Right. Put the their blowout own work is in it. Very shoegaze. I love that song on Pablo Honey, the last one. Blowout. Yeah. Cue it up. Sure. Let's listen to some uh, Radiohead Blowout. Just because the guitar goes crazy, it basically turns into a shoegaze song. Great. Yeah, I mean, this is just like a tone piece of uh, guitar distortion. Yeah, this rocks. This is great. Oh my god, the, definitely the best song on this album. And you're talking about the album that contains Greek, the yeah. international bestseller. Yeah, well, this <laughs> this song has always been like, I love this song because I was heavy into shoegaze. No, I can imagine like you, you could you could honestly mix this into a uh, a baggy rave and uh, you know blow it out. Yeah, people could get down. Uh, go to the the very beginning of the song though, because you can kind of see like what it sort of does. Like it's a build up, right? Yeah, it's a very it's a little like creep. It's it's very a b. Oh, this is very seeds of of everything that would radio radio had become mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. jazzy ride symbols. Very like, amnesiac. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, one thing I do appreciate about them is uh, not even their will to commit this on it on tape because I don't even really like this this much, but how well they record like delicateness Definitely. on instruments. You know what I'm talking about, like those. Yeah, mm-hmm. you hear almost the fingers going over the the guitar strings on this. Yep, and. I've always appreciated that like sound quality to it, even if that's not something that I would ever want or yes. seek out. <laughs> and this was pre-Nigel Godrich, which he he is the legend. He's my favorite producer. A ledge, an absolute, uh, the absolute boy. We, we, stand, we stand a legendary Nigel. We do. Anyway, so we will listen to this a little backwards, doing the, uh, <laughs> the freak out last and the build out first. Yes. The freak I mean, out first and the build out last. That's good. Anyway, Blowout by Radiohead off Pablo Honey. It's great. Yeah, it's good. Uh, their first actual recorded effort was the Drill EP. And the funniest detail I read about this in the book was that... Um, there was a mix-up at the mastering house, which meant that some of the promotional copies did not have Radiohead songs on them at all. They had a bunch of Joe Cocker songs. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. About a Radiohead album. Oh, just... look at this! You know these these like educated, you know college educated dudes out of Oxford. Like, I wonder what this sounds like, and it's just like get by with, with a little help <laughs> from my friends. <laughs> wow, this guy's yeah, wow, this is crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a crazy cover. The when they're recording Pablo Honey, Creep almost ended. This is once again just a classic 
classic music industry story. Creep almost ended up not making it on the record for an interesting reason. There was a misunderstanding because when they were playing it or practicing it, Tom York joked that the song was our Scott Walker song. Uh. And Scott Walker, I didn't, I didn't know who this was, but this is like a, an existential dread songster uh, mm-hmm. who was popular in England. Also passed away this year. Oh, wow. RIP Scott Walker. He was amazing. Uh, so the Tom, you know, mumbles into the microphone. Oh, yes, that's Scott Walker's song. And uh, the producers thought it was a cover. And so they're like, well, yeah, of course, we, we wouldn't put, put this on the album. Game. Like, we're not trying to lead with covers. And then wow. that got sorted. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, no, there it is. Uh, the, re- the recording that we hear when we were just listening at the beginning was recorded in one searing take. The whole, that, the whole uh, track of yeah, Creep? One, one Take Wonders. Holy shit. I mean, that's how you know they're the real deal. They can play that's a song like that live in one take in studio. The real thing. With the vocals and everything? Uh, that, that I mean, that is that makes that song all the more impressive. That junk mm-hmm. junk sound is uh, what Johnny Greenwood does to test whether a guitar is on. <laughs> Love it. Bless the him. Ri- I mean, what's most important about that is that the rhythm of when those, those junks come is almost always surprising, even if you've listened to that song a thousand times. It's a very... Mm-hmm. Uh, a specific syncopation. Yes. I would say Radiohead to me is one of those bands that give give you the chills. Like they're like a chill inducing band. They're all like kind of pre ASMR and like it's stuff like that that is like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hello, Radiohead. Yeah, <laughs> so you'd be you in doing? a room with like 40 people who have all heard that song their entire lives and almost every single person will, will when the time comes, go to jump at a slightly different oh, totally. time. You know it's what like I mean? It's like clapping yes. or something. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, so they record this album creep is like their lead single. It did not hit on British radio immediately. It kind of sunk like a stone. Mm. It was a weirdo. What the hell was it doing there? It didn't (laughs) belong there. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't until a DJ for the IDF in Uh, Israel picked up this song and was like, this kind of rules. I'm going to start playing the shit out of this in Tel Aviv that it got God. any kind of attention at all, which I had no idea that they owed basically, honestly, their entire, entire success to, the IDF. to an IDF DJ. Well, then, uh, frankly, Radiohead are, are canceled. Uh, well, they've gotten, they've gotten in trouble for still playing in Israel. Um, they've got, people have gotten quite upset with them about that. Uh, do they still do that to this day? They do. I don't, I'd have to fact check myself, right, but... We, we'd it have was to, uh, last year, I think, Roger Water was, was very upset. That they would so they'd still play them, but it's funny. And when uh, I heard that it, news, then Radiohead I was kind of embrace BDS. Yeah, when I heard that news, then I was like, I like, oh man, like come on, just like stop doing it, or like be like Lana Del Rey and be like, well, if I'm going to play in Tel Aviv, I will also play in Palestine. <laughs> Bless you, Lana Del Rey. Um, but now that I hear that this origin story was from Israel, I just imagine there's some weird psycho thing, like yeah, psychosomatic yeah. thing it's of like, like we would not exist if Israel did not exist, and so we much. Must defend the existence of the state of Israel. Yeah. Also, I think uh, Johnny's wife is um, Israeli. Is she yeah. Israeli? Well, there you go. It's a, they're entrenched. Uh, the D- yeah. Don't, um, don't quote me on that, but you sure. The, then um, uh, after that, a DJ at a college radio station in uh, the East Bay area in California picked up Creep, which led to K Rock picking it up, and then it from broke. Tel Aviv to the East Bay. It's your favorite indie artist, Radiohead. Uh, college radio. Sure. Breaking. Breaking. Breaking the sound of creep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that. That was like. What year was this? Been like eighty. This was ninety three. Yeah. Ninety three. Ninety three is yeah. creep. Yeah. 
Wow, I, the power of college radio at that at that point. I I thought that for that Pablo Honey came out in the late eighties, really late eighties. No, like, they were yeah ninety um, ninety three. Amazing at a time that college radio could still like drive plays. Uh, yeah, boggles mm-hmm. the mind. Yeah, uh, will you pull up on your your song machine? Uh, Radiohead creep MTV beach party. Yes, <laughs> this is a YouTube. one of their early U.S. promotional appearances. Once one creep started things. to get some traction, was playing MTV beach party. Obviously, right. here's the thing about a podcast: you can't see it, but and that we will sucks, describe it. To but you. we'll describe it to you. I do want to see. And it just stuff. a recommendation: just watch it, please. Yes, please search for it. Watch it uh, if you are a younger member of this audience. Uh, if you were born after, say, like 1995. I would highly recommend looking up uh, clips of MTV Spring Break because this is how uh, I learned about sexuality. This is how you were born. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, Gen Z people might have been conceived during <laughs> MTV Spring Break. Think about that. He's in he's in a black and white like Frenchman striped shirt and like weird black sunglasses, bleach blonde hair. It's so incongruous looking. So it's a giant party house in presumably like uh, uh, somewhere in Florida, Panama City Beach, Panama Florida City shit. Beach, Florida. He's in like a black and white horizontally striped like Frenchman sir- shirt with weird sunglasses, bleach blonde hair. It's gently moaning into the microphone in front of several dozen bikini teens. Your skin makes me cry. He was so attractive back then. Is it good luck for Tom? Like I mean, they all were attractive, but you've seen Tom nowadays, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good for him, but like, <laughs> it's different. It's different. Just leaning into everything, doing like weird so body poses. All those clothes are back in fashion today. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny hadn't yet written, gotten like stress fractures they from playing honestly, his guitar like that. They honestly look like extra. They look like the band from Austin Powers. Yeah. Though that plays Daddy wasn't there. Yeah. Imagine being at the beach house right now and just being like, yeah. Um, yeah, I vibe with this. Uh, every shot is a like fisheye lens from yeah. a, a video camera say the camera work isn't isn't doing it any any better <laughs> it's the it's the bad 90s like yeah. serial commercial type of <laughs> there's a zebra striped uh basketball uh hoop back honestly for an mtv spring break audience they're strangely like fully clothed they're seeing Radiohead. They're not seeing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're not seeing Two Live Crew or whoever else was playing in 1993. Sadly, nothing shouts uh, Spring Break like uh, Radiohead. No, right? Like it's a beach house. Go, go listen to Two Live. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. All right, let's see. Let's hear them do the things. Do the do the voice. Wait. <laughs> it's just 
full open mouth screaming in front of a, a pool with like floaties in it. Just in a black and white. Structure. Black and white. It's oh, it's so perfect. It, I mean, mood. You know what this mood. is? <laughs> mood. That was my summer. That's hot. That's hot girl summer. With a starfish. That's hot no, summer. No, let's go back like two or three years. Uh, beach goth. Mm-hmm. This is incredibly beach goth. Mm-hmm. That was a thing. Beach goth. It was a thing for some reason. Is this so what? fucking special? Do they do an encore? I'm a All right, well, I think we can move on from this. Uh, that is a Wait, very... yeah, do they usually repeat the chorus? When does he jump in the pool and almost get electrocuted? Uh, oh, God, if he jumped in the pool after this, that would rule. Everybody he does. Oh, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> he almost died. Oh, really? Does he jump in the pool after this? Tur- turns out electrical equipment um, does not mix very well with water. Oh, my God. Jump in the pool, jump in the pool. Does he do that? I think it must You're... have been a different song because... Yeah, maybe he did another. They did another song. Oh, that's such a tease. Everybody's just sitting motionlessly around him in like jeans and yeah, you can't t-shirts. you can't really gyrate in a bikini. I mean, you you can. It's just a different. Yeah, they should have had bikini go-go girls trying to dance next to him. That would have been even better. Yes. Booty shake. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that is an extremely strange document of a specific, very specific time. Another um, promo thing that they did for uh, Pablo Honey was. I guess Beavis and Butt had referenced Creep on sure, their show. Yes, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, their American label was uh, Capital, and they put it into their promo campaign stickers that said Beavis and Butt had say they don't suck. Huh? Which is just another early 90s artifact. I'm sure that's like a one off line of Mike Judge improvising with his, uh, himself being like, ha, ha, I guess I guess these are guys don't totally suck. Right. right. They were also on South Park. They, they were, were on South Park. That is a very uh, legendary Fantastic episode and episode. probably the, the best. best ever episodes of South that Park. That is one of the best episodes. Uh, when, uh, Cry baby. <laughs> when uh, uh, Cartman makes Scott Tennerman eat his parents and uh, as he is sobbing about having, in fact, cannibalized his parents, mm-hmm. uh, his favorite band that has been established earlier in the episode, Radiohead wander in and are like, well, he had to meet a, a special boy. It must not be this boy. He's a crybaby. He's a crybaby. <laughs> Phil's the last one. He comes in super late and he's like, crybaby. <laughs> Legendary. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's their kind of first weird, awkward foray into mm-hmm. being like a rock rock stars, but they don't clearly want to be, but they kind of have to play the yeah, game. You gotta, you, look, you want to be a rock star, you got to go to the spring break. Got to get in that pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they record the bends. Which is like a huge struggle. The you know the record company is telling them you have to start start by thinking about your lead single, which is a really terrible way to no. inspire a band to do anything. As we've nineties, mm-hmm. as we've 90s. learned, it's a much better suggestion to have them write the album and then send it back and be like, "There's not a single off this album." Yeah, that is a much more like we've had heard several stories where that has happened. Yes. Smash, I mean, Smash, Smash Mouth, Mouth being the most obvious one. Yeah. I think that has happened to at least one other person. Mm-hmm. But it seems like a much better strategy to go send your band off if you signed a band to write an album and have Definitely. them deliver it to you and be like, this is good, mm-hmm. but there's not a single off that. Because well, then they can go like process the whole album and just write a pop song based on it. Uh, I watched the Joe Budden podcast. Um, yes. And... Mal was talking about, uh, they all kind of were agreeing, but uh, that um, the best way to 
to release music right now is to put the whole album out and let people decide what the single is. Yes. Yes. Let them decide with the by harding it on on Spotify and by the listens and uh, like you'll know what the single is. But anytime somebody puts out a single right now, thinking that it's gonna blow up, like with a backing, like you can kind of tell all the wasted money and all the wasted effort. Yep. As opposed to somebody who puts out a single and you know, puts out a bunch of singles or puts their whole album out. Well, like, that's kind of the weird new world we're in in which you can just like constantly record and release music. It's like the mixtape model. Like I just found definitely. out Post Malone has a new album out and I haven't heard anything about it. And I assume that he'll like, he put out the album and they'll figure out what the popular song is and then they'll promote yeah. it. But yeah. it's like, you just put out a new album every year and then figure out what people like to stream on uh, Spotify and then just mm-hmm. push that on radio. It's the Billie Eilish format. Sure. Just put out like 17 songs and hope that people like lots of them yeah. and then have your album be like some of those and then some new ones and then people will like those too. It's weird That's though it. because it's it's uh, still changing like day by day where uh, now like no one really knows what the industry is right now um, and there's not one uh, diagram for success. Yeah. Uh, but na- the surprise release of an album... That worked for Beyonce and, and it started really uh, being, okay, uh, this is the, the blueprint. Right. Um, and then a lot of people surprise released the album that no one listened to. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, well, that's not it. And there's, there's a total, like, uh, it just changes so often. And, and I mean, the thing it needs to be is it needs to be about the music and whether people are enjoying it or not. And so I guess that's a maybe a, a better pro- byproduct of, of what's going on with the, the, the climate right now, but it's, it's really confusing. And yeah. it seems like uh, labels are just trying to now constrict it so that they can get a grasp back on, uh, like a, a control back on um, just having successful artists and making a lot of money. Yeah. Yes, and it's like, I don't know if they can do that anymore. Yeah, But there's also such a lack of, Obviously, if you pump up a single and you're like, this is the single, this is the first single, there's a music video, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and then it doesn't do well, That that's like, I guess, maybe kind of a bummer, obviously a bummer in some ways. But then there's something kind of lame about just like plopping a song and being like, oh, if it doesn't do well, well, that wasn't the single. Like, this isn't one. Yeah. There, there's a lack of like artistic intention when you're not putting energy towards specific songs or specific albums or specific collections of songs in ways that are like, no, this is how you should be listening to my album. And like, I want you to enjoy it like this right. mm-hmm. as opposed to just being like, I don't know, we'll just let it fly into the universe and maybe you'll end up on a Spotify playlist. Sure. Well, let's move a little further. Cause I want to hear how radio hand handles being told to write their single first. Not well, <laughs> not, not well, Bob. Uh, the, uh, they're very unhappy. They're also, I mean, Ed, Ed talks about just like the sort of repression, the lack of expression in terms of them being a band at that point for that long, where they said, it, you know, it, being famous was something that we'd spent nine, or not being famous, but being successful was something we'd spent nine or 10 years working toward. And it was like, we'd never be totally, we'd never been totally honest with each other. We're not into bonding. We're friends and everything, but maybe because of our upbringing or the school that we went to, <laughs> we don't tell each other our problems. Uh, you know, because of all the gestures broadly at the British school system, repression. Tom York called it the the English disease. I got an English disease. 
It's repression, baby. Yeah. Uh, and buggery. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the Bens, they really struggled to wrench into something that ended up being... I think useful to them, maybe the way they wanted it to be, but without, you know, with, without the meddling, I think it would have maybe ended up being a little bit more organic or something. So what was the song that they wrote that was supposed to be the single? Uh, My Iron Lung, I guess, was the first one that was supposed to be. Uh, I think that's right. Here's the one off of this that I care about. Okay. Yep. (laughs) Do you, do you agree with my choice? Oh, this song is amazing. I mean, I like my own. But this also feel, feels right in with like all the mid 90s Britpop stuff. I mean, this is a great Britpop song with like a bit of a minor key addition to it. Yeah. It's just, just off of the bend. With all the great, uh, you know, soft, loud, soft stuff that we, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we love from the Pixies and the Radiohead. Again, more of those, like, delicate noodles that you can hear. Delicate noodles. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, so they, they ended up with these moments, but I think there was just a lot more hassle involved yeah. in the recording of them um they also i mean we were talking before uh a while before that there was like high and dry and fake plastic trees which are their softer more melodic uh songs sad songs, songs yes or is, it was around this time that tom also said in an interview and we could discuss this a little too he says um it's sort of a curse it's sort of like a curse that people listen to my voice and think that everything i sing is important <laughs> Well, you sing everything extremely importantly, dude. But that that's just his voice, bro. Uh, I would also say that that is his choice of how to sing, see things, in, sing things in soaring, uh, wispy... Um, I mean, imagine him falsettos. singing happy birthday to you and how that would make you feel. Kind of sad, I mean, right? You'd I start, would feel really awkward. <laughs> like you start thinking about like, like the passage of time and... I don't know you, Tom York. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, you, how'd you know it was my birthday, Tom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are you in my house, Tom York? Why but, did you bring me this cake? I, I think his, his tone and his inflection and his delivery does lend like a mournfulness and a, a introspection that maybe normal words wouldn't have if they didn't get Tom Yorkified. So Yeah, I mean, I definitely. guess. He's and that's a talent. I think that's the, yes. how he is able to, to put that... Um, simpler structures of words like he he picked something up from michael stipe where he would cut up slips of paper and uh mix them up and kind of rearrange them and it seems like like maybe it wouldn't work but with somebody with his talent uh he can he can make a fly on a radiohead song yes um i definitely there there are moments in when i'm listening to radiohead and i'm like uh like Mm, okay. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, uh, I think that it's it's a talent of, and and a, a definite marriage with his vocal talent and his writing style that come together over the top of the music, and uh, I think it just always works uh, yes. for Radiohead. Yes. Now I've just conceived in my head of a like you know viral video series that would be like one line from one song but you get vastly different like pop stars and musicians to sing it 
That would actually be great. Because be I think you would hear different things with different people. Because mm-hmm. I, I do agree. Like, I think that the the gra- the gravitas, the gravitas that Tom York brings to singing first makes line- some ridiculous lyrics sound palatable or sound like, oh, yeah. The- Even though when you think about them, you're like, Gucci's kicking, squealing, Gucci little piggy. <laughs> okay. I'm a dog yeah. trapped in a hot car. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> The first line that comes to me for like what I would want to send to all pop stars to get like a, a, a super cut going is like the final like solo bridge of all I wanted for Christmas is you. Okay. Just to hear how every various yeah. pop star would inter- like interpret the all I want for Christmas. Oh, like the le- that vocal run. Yeah, you know that part? Yes. Chad Kroger would slay that. Yeah. Oh, wow. You can get a, send it out to everybody. That's a great idea. I don't listen to Nickelback anymore. I don't. <laughs> but I would love to hear his interpretation of it. I can sing crazy Nickelback Creed. Creed, Nickelback, uh, karaoke. Look, I, I'm on it. From Mark Hoppus to Lady Gaga, I would love to hear them all try. Uh, their, their way that they would do that. That's a video series right there. That's Shakira. my challenge. <laughs> Shakira. Oh, my God. Shakira would, yeah, yeah. would kill that. Kursmers. So they, they tour for the Benz. I, I like this detail. They, they're touring all over the place. Tour does not necessarily agree with them well in general. Tom in particular, the, the driving and the Tom hates cars. At one point he says he basically his attitude to her cars is that every time he gets in one, he has to tell himself that he might not get, get out. out of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm cars like, are dangerous. that's an interesting way of like living with your anxiety. He's English. He's a train boy. Perhaps. Well, he's in a car accident. Yes, he was in a car accident when he was a, a te- like a late teen. Mm. So yeah, the you know, tour obviously drains them and injures them. But they when they're in Tokyo, they find out that uh, Phil, the drummer, has a fan club, which includes several members, uh, several female members of uh, EMI's Japan office. <laughs> and they wear shirts that say, Phil is great. <laughs> I mean, he is, the, he is great. He is great. Do you have a Phil is great shirt? I need one. You oh my definitely god. should I'm get one. Oh my god! If you could find one of the one of those specific shirts from the Japanese EMI office from that would like be the great. late nineties. Although I might just go to JCPenney and get a blank shirt and one of those iron-on things. Yeah, and do yeah. Phil is great. You can't wash it though. I don't think. Yeah, you'd have to commit to <laughs> the wearing. It's a one-time of it. use. I'm gonna. I my that would that would be great. Uh, like a obscure Radiohead. Phil uh, is great. Like merge or whatever. The Sideways, sh- not yeah. even line it up properly. Yeah, yeah. it's like mis- <laughs> misprinted on the kerning is all over the place. I mean, that would probably be the new Supreme thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I could probably <gasps> sell those. Yeah, seriously. I'd be like, guys, these are terrible. $500. <laughs> this is, this is uh, around the time when REM takes Radiohead on tour with them and this is someone on Reddit compiled this uh, beautiful collage of Michael Stipe and Tom York hanging out and it's adorable. At yeah. one point they have their arms intertwined and they're drinking wine like oh they're like they're on a date. They've also had so much interesting like hair, sunglasses, outfits over the years, beards. Oh yeah, I love that one with the beard and That's wild. Yeah. Anyway, the it seems I really appreciate Michael Stipe's grounding presence in Tom York's life. Oh. Absolutely. And I think that's it was very very key and very crucial. Uh uh there talks about um, just how the Benz wasn't really taking off. Yes. And uh, they go on tour. Um, sorry, I don't know if you were about ready to read this no. detail. But uh, they, were, they ended up going on tour um, with R.E.M. because R.E.M. liked the Benz. They, they really loved the album. And uh, they were just blown away by it. And yet, uh, Michael Stipe took Tom under his arm and, and 
helped him through, uh, I think, a lot. It was uh, like, look, you're a nerdy introvert who's about to be a worldwide famous rock star. Let me tell you a few things. Mm-hmm. The uh, I'm not here. This isn't happening, I believe, is from uh, Michael Stipe telling him, you know, when he's having, I think it was panic attacks. Or, yeah. Uh, that comes from, from, from Michael Stipe, I believe. That's so crazy. Thinking that. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's correct. And he I think also just like fame in general, as we've probably talked about on this podcast a million times, fame is generally not great for like creativity artists. and sanity and yeah. artists. Like obviously it's great for, you know, giving them money that can have them continue to live and create more art. But and for some fame is few, very damaging. It is an engine like yes. Lady, Lady Gaga. Gaga. Lady Gaga. But I think, you know, having a priorly famous rock star uh guide him sort of shaman him <laughs> through this there should period be of his life. a pop star mentor program where stable uh older pop stars are assigned younger pop stars and give big, them big brothers oh, big sisters yeah and, and give them advice great. so it's like i don't know you know madonna would spend like a summer with ariana grande and be like look look it i think that happens I that think, does happen i think that that's but well, there should be a state-sponsored program. It should yeah. be state It should be state. We should have... I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, is that we need a state-sponsored, like, low-key cultural technology program mm-hmm. to uh, solidify our gains in cultural technology and uh, figure out how to do it in a, on an ethical uh, state-sponsored program. And, you know, when you hear, like, as you say, that happens, but it's mostly, like, Ariana Grande running into Madonna in a bar. That's true. Or, or in a club and Madonna being being like, look, I got 20 seconds with you. Let me tell you three things. But There's still I, a lot of I'm people saying, that, don't, that need it that don't I'm get it. I'm saying that yeah, America needs its pop music. It is certainly something that our entire culture functions under. So oh, I, would I certainly like, need it. I would like to subsidize uh, Madonna and Ariana Grande going to a like chalet in Aspen for a summer and hanging out for like 10 weeks straight yeah. and just them or even just a humble diner to get a cup of coffee yeah, I, I nice. like a spot like I a spot like, like, like an aa sponsor yeah, honestly yeah, yeah. But maybe, Tom, maybe that's problematic yeah Tom but. york is like uh uh he just recently came out and said that like billy eilish is the only interesting thing going on in music right now so maybe he'll get with yes. it. even though i'm like Dude, Tyler, the creator, like, oh yeah, that would also be so true, so true. There's there's a lot of amazing music. Billie Billie Eilish is not the only, not the only interesting person. But she is an interesting person. She's an interesting, as we've covered on the show. She's big, but also like Billie Eilish said in one of her cover stories that Avril Lavigne basically got in touch, like. Either her people got in touch with Billy's people or like slid into her DMs. And Avril Lavigne was basically just like, hey, if you ever are like feeling nuts about what is happening to you, like call me. And like that should be that should be official. That shouldn't just be of the goodness of more successful and stable uh, pop stars hearts. It should be. I'm just imagining me uh, peering out of the shadows uh, like uh, Samuel L. Jackson at the end of uh, Iron Man being like, we're assembling an initiative. The world's greatest pop stars coming together to tutor the next generation. Really quick, fun fact, going back to R.E.M. Yes. I recently found out, like, a couple weeks ago, uh, Alton Brown directed, yes. the, or he was director of photography on the video for Losing My Religion. What? what? <laughs> yeah. Alton Brown? What? Yep. what? You know what? His he's sh- a si- he's like a scientist. He's I not guess. the director, but he was he was he's a DP. Like yeah, he was the the second. You know what? His uh, Food Channel show always had uh, great photography. On Amazing it for a TV show, and it totally makes sense. Yeah. But 
I'm like, what? That's wild. That video is amazing. It's really good. Uh, one, I just I like this detail put in the book that was basically talking about uh, post post Ben's pre OK computer when Radiohead kind of solidified their foothold in America because they were willing to tour in America at all. And apparently this was kind of a thing where bands like Stone Roses or Happy Mondays, they had some success in America, but they were like, oh God, we have to play in places that aren't New York and LA. No thanks, pal. And Radiohead and the way that the author puts this, they un- they did not underestimate the vastness of the United States. So they- it's a, it's a- Continent-sized country. It's big. I mean, it's big as fuck. And they they did the work. They toured kind of incessantly, almost. They played all the markets. They they had their you know their strategy, their multi-market strategy, in order to uh, sure. gain relevance in in different different demographics. So they toured for. <laughs> The, this is probably one of the only other clips that I want to pull up during this, which is that on on the post Benz tour, they were playing the song "Nobody Does It Better" by Carly Simon, which Tom considers one of the sexiest, the sexiest song of all time. And yeah. I was playing this in the house a few weeks ago, and a, Chris, you did not uh, what, love it. Is there a specific time frame? I think just whatever. This is the most popular right. result. Let's let's see where this. I would is. assemble B sides, and this would be up, and I would just be like, "Why did they do this? Why did they? Because well, to- Tom's interpretation of what is a sexy song is a little different. This is performed live at uh, for MTV Europe. Yeah. Nobody does it <laughs> Molly is losing it right now. I just, I love that the backing instruments are kind of like bar, like sloppy bar band almost. Yeah. There's Radiohead, but there's also kind of like, I've given up. There's a little live band karaoke in there. Yeah. Oh, if you've ever seen Radiohead bloopers, they're hilarious. Oh. <laughs> that might be for something we watch after this. <laughs> Again, I love those soaring ride symbols over everything. Yeah. I mean, mean, they're definitely owning it. I I love that, that he honors this sexy, sexy song with a a performance like that. I think it's beautiful. Uh, Also around this time, they also play some shows with Alanis Morissette opening and uh, Ed O'Brien says of her, her music's pretty terrible, but she's a lovely person. Oh, (laughs) burn on Alanis. Well, I don't think she was their, their type of, of performer well, perhaps. Okay. And also they learned through Alanis Morissette that uh um playing live with her, she would always play the same set every single night. Mm-hmm. And they're like, how can she do that? Yeah. And they started really switching their sets up. And so every live show that they play, you don't know what set you're gonna get. And that's that's the way well, that's it should what, be. yeah, yeah. And that's, that's and that's Alanis Morissette's doing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's wow. amazing. I mean Thank that you, is Atlantis. a, a sig- signature thing from them. I mean the only I, I can understand the if you have a setup that requires like specific production turnarounds to like flow into one thing, like 
pop stars, for example, need to like design a show that works the same time, same yeah. way over right. and over again. But right, that is a great way to go if you are a rock band and can like totally yeah. I- interchange things. and creates that like deep, deep fandom that goes on. Exactly, yeah. uh, you every know. Radiohead fan like has a oh, if they saw them live, maybe they have if they they luck out. Like it's kind of a roll of the dice thing, which gives its its value is like. I saw uh, them play These Are My Twisted Words, which they totaled just one-off B-side that they released, um, and like they never played it live, and they pulled it out, and now I can brag about that for the rest yeah, yeah, of my yeah. life. Yeah, you're one of the very few people who have seen that live. Mm-hmm. And I think other artists definitely do that, and that's just so magical to have a moment where you're like, oh, I, was, I saw them in Detroit, and they played blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as I mean, opposed that, to like, I think the last. I mean, that's like jam band stuff where they're, you're like, oh, the one show I play is the one time they play, blah, blah, blah. You know? Totally. Yeah. Well, I think that when we saw you 2 at MSG, there were very loud boomers behind us who had pulled up like setlist.fm. And like, I remember hearing them being like, and now I think they're going to do blah. And I yeah. feel like the, like they oh. this is such the opposite of that, of that element of surprise and excitement. That's sexy. That's way sexier than nobody does it better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> the, so they, they record, uh, they record. Okay. Cupid. Okay. Cupid. <laughs> they record. Okay. Cupid. Worst that one. Yeah. The, the <laughs> terrible album, the worst. Um, <laughs> never worked. They, Albums never it, worked. they recorded it. I think mostly in like a 15th century, uh, like country house. Sure. Yeah. That probably makes sense. where Monty Python maybe filmed some stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was, a. Uh, Jane Seymour? Yeah, it yes, was, yes. Jane Seymour owned, used yeah. to own the house or owned it and was renting yeah. it out. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dr. What, Quinn. Whatever J- Jane Seymour money. Like, I feel like... <laughs> like they got that Jane Seymour ra- money. Rappers are always talking, like, everyone referenced Donald Trump, right? It's like, yeah, well, yeah. Donald Trump, like, rich guy. Yeah, they yeah. should have been talking about Jane Seymour. Like, Jane Seymour. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Jane Seymour secured okay, the bag. computer's birthplace. Like, come on. Yeah. No, she, she, got, she got that bread. Um... <laughs> I just they opened a chapter of this book with a quote from Tom in an interview about this and he says it's not really about computers. <laughs> uh it was just the noise going on in my head for most of a year and a half of travel and computers and television and absorbing it all. So, you know, we all okay, know. Okay, computer. Okay, computer. Uh, one fun addition to the, the recording of this album was Tom just using his mini disc recorder. Oh yeah, and recording just random shit. Hello, and then having 1997. That, that mini disc, which is though. nuts, because mini disc were like expensive back then. Yeah, well, I had one like 2002, right <laughs> before the iPod like took it all over. Yeah, it well, you, just you, dropped down. On you price. didn't have a Zoom. <laughs> I did not have a Zoom. I was looking because this is my life i was just looking up like how much zunes cost and like mint condition zunes are pretty pretty expensive on ebay now yeah, first yeah. gen they're good uh they have good audio quality supposedly they do the flax they have really good Ooh. digital audio converters and yeah i don't know what else i was gonna say <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, they're and they're zunes they're zunes did they come in no. different colorways before i I believe so. I'm like I think because iPods were white one. forever, and then yeah. all of a sudden it was like iPod Minis. They're pink or blue. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think Zune maybe had that personalization I had a, aspect. A, uh, I think it was a RCA or something. Uh, my very first MP3 player 
was shaped super crazy. It was one of the ones that Steve Jobs made fun of. Like he's like, this is what MP3 players look like these days. Oh, mm. and it like put a bunch of adware on your computer. Uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it took it you like a, a lot of proprietary software. Yeah. I had a few like that. Yeah, I loaded all Mega Man X3 soundtrack onto that. <laughs> yeah. Listen to it on school bus. It was amazing. I mean, shut, pour, pour one out for Windows Media Player in yeah. general. Woo, woo. Wow. Visualization. Yeah. <laughs> Skins. Yes. Oh, good shit. I mean, you know, they they recorded this like classic album that is like heralded as one of the best albums of that decade and probably the next decade too. And uh, the, I mean, the book ends with this insane, to me now seeming like three-day press event in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. I don't know how common this was. This is, this is the first kind of event that I was really reading about this in literature is like they had this sort of, there were junkets, there were two different performances, all the bands were there. They Journalists had access to them at different points and they ended up filming it for a documentary that came out. But this was kind of once again, like the last gasp of the late nineties record label money yeah, yeah, yeah. of even making this a thing. And by the way, there was no creep. There was no definitive lead single at that point yet. It was like, they were basically just like, fuck you. We'll see here's what the sticks. Album, yeah. yeah. Here's the album. And if people like it, they like it. They were done playing by the label rules at that point. And uh, maybe we can close with this. The last contribution of this author, uh, Mac Randall is that in his interview where he has access to Tom York and Johnny Greenwood and he actually, no, he, he talks to them a little bit. It's pretty standard. He talks to the other three and he asks them, he says, guys in the song, let down, that's a really unique time signature in the beginning. Uh, how will you count it out when you play it live? (laughs) Which I hear, I read this and I, I like snort. I'm like, Oh, (laughs) this fucking guy. Like this is the, this is the question he chooses to ask when he's sitting with Radiohead. And um, Ed makes a joke uh, of being like, who knows? And starts laughing. And then the three of them start getting into an argument about how they're actually going to count it out live because they don't know. And so I thought that was just great. Yeah. Uh, the author pinpoints of like, they wrote this complex thing and they don't. Mm. And when they played it, the OK Computer songs live at that junket, they did not play Let Down. I, so. wait, have I said? I think I've seen Let Down. Yeah. Do you remember? To, I have a li- I've seen them three times and luckily all three times they've played a different set list. <laughs> I think I've seen Let Down. Did they play it in Philly? Here's seen- Let Down, by the way. I think they played No Surprise. I don't think they played Let Down. Mm. I'm- I mean, I assume that Johnny would just start playing the riff. But I think they needed to start with twin guitars, right? So they would have to coordinate. Um, Speaking of media players, the last, last thing I'll share as a detail in this book is that, uh, you know, Capitol Records, press kings, Uh, just the absolute best at creating little bits. Yes. It sounds like Interpol. Interpol sounds like this. Interpol sounds like yes. this. Um, Capitol Records gave a thousand like influencers back in the day a Walkman with a cassette of OK Computer embedded in it permanently. <laughs> which is this is so the original U two. Guess what? You have my album. Yeah. You have our album. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Well, I mean, Exit Music for a film is what made news. Like, 
That whole band mm. came from one song. Mm. They, they were like, oh, let's just do this forever. I, uh, this is not factual, but <laughs> that song is what Muse's career like was. Yeah. For a second, Muse was my favorite band before Radiohead overtook. I can see that. I mean, Muse definitely seems like uh, Radiohead with like the, uh, you know, the contrast increased. Yeah, and then they, yeah, just went. I think this <laughs> is fun. my favorite Radiohead song. Can you see what I'm saying, though? Yes. Oh, totally. Even the I little, mean, like, like, weird backing vocals, those, like, eerie. This is Absolution, like. Yeah. To a T. I think Absolution's a great album. <laughs> Just waiting for the fuzz bass, man. See, this, yeah. is, this, is the, this is the part that I don't care about. This is the part I, I just love. I love it. I, I mean, at the beach, you know. Actually, it's funny. <laughs> uh, is this, is this your good beach music? My friend, actually, uh, <laughs> we went to the beach so I could read this book. <laughs> or like we were at the beach. Yes. And uh, we were just chilling out. Um, this was like uh, three or four weeks ago. Um and it was a chill beach day, like, and I'd just start reading the book. And he, for some reason, I don't really like music at the beach. I just like listening to the ocean. But, but do you he like puts cake, radio cake, on. cake by the ocean? Cake by the ocean? Yeah. Like, you know, like the Dunce the, song? <laughs> what? DNC? Cake it's by a, the ocean? It's a, the second most popular Jonas Brother had a second band oh. with a song called Cake by the Ocean, which was that metaphor, that turn of phrase was from someone misremembering how to say sex on the beach. Cake they by said the ocean. cake by the ocean. Oh, anyway, cool. I think cake by the ocean is a bad idea. It's so porous and wet and there's so much. You're going to get sand in it. Yeah. yeah. You need to have like some fruit by the ocean. I do love a fuzz base, but mm. even this doesn't do much for me. Ooh. no, but this is Muse. Yes. Yes. Totally. Before Muse was it. Yeah. Pretty much. The Muse was just a twinkle in their eye. Right. Well, yes. But, I mean, you're saying that this old is Coldplay too. This is like, uh, yeah. Muse's Muse. Yeah. Right here. I mean, that bass this is sound is huge. Ah! That bass line. This is Absolution. Yeah. It's because it's really just. I get I get nothing from this. It's, it's less than the sum of its parts. So to me, at uh, um, on Addie's, and at- it lasts for so little. That whole section that should be, that is like the big part of this song is like thirty-five seconds long, and then it diminishes to nothing. They, it gives it. you nothing. Worth it. Oh God, oh, it they gives they, you so they, much. They hook, it's just, I mean, honestly, they hook on something that is good for like for a second, and then they're like. But we have other ideas we need well, to explore. I, I, that's not one of my favorite Radiohead songs for sure. And especially on Hail to the Thief, I think they were at their worst with what you're talking about, mm. which is the, the drag on. Like, but it's also like you're saying that they're dragging it on, but they also didn't have the, the upper part um, last long enough for you. And like, I think here's another one. Rips, rips. Chris yes. would like this to be the whole song. Yes, but it the, owns this. Mm-hmm. But this part have you heard? I have a song for you. Um, in a second. Is it Mixomatosis? I've listened to that no. one, and it's not as good as a, a, 
I don't really like that song either. Yeah, I don't, I don't Hail to the one. Thief is a good album. With it has some filler and it has. They obviously weren't. I skipped they were, right. They were working to the it. only part of this song that ribs. But it'll go away in like in like thirty seconds. So does everything. Yeah, our every, bodies, exactly. our souls. That's you have exactly. to embrace eph- there, ephemeral we're done, we're shit. Done. And and it's it's a moment. Like it's a moment. If you're listening to music, you don't want a moment to be uh, to gone. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> to <laughs> overstay its welcome. Yeah. You don't want a moment to. Sometimes you need. That's what the album is for. You do the songs that are yappers, and then you. Sometimes you need just one triangle hit at a random part <laughs> of the song, and you never hear it again. Like right. yeah, it it adds texture to, texture. to the song. Yeah, but I I do get what you're saying, um, especially with exit music. Uh, you should listen to uh, Bangers and Mash. I'm not going to listen to any more Radiohead songs. I've listened to <laughs> enough Radiohead songs. I've made my decision. Testy, testy. You would like you would like Bangers and Mash because that's. I'm just saying that I've. I don't I've, think I've ever listened to that. I've song. done. We're back at the beginning where I'm like, I'm at, I've, done, out? I've done my survey of Radiohead songs. I've determined that they are just okay to me. And then I There's come no back around and a, a Radiohead fan is like, well, no, but you haven't listened to the right Radiohead songs. You haven't. Well, no, it, it was just specifically when you're talking about uh, an upper moment. Yeah. I just think about that song. It's, it was a B-side that they left off the album and I'm like, which Dude. era was that? It was in Rainbows. Okay. And, ah. and it was also a fun live song because Tom would play drums on like this toy kit. I just Googled just bangers and match and I regret you to inform you boots. that my Google images are filled with glistening sausages, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, um, well, with that, maybe we should shift into the, I feel like, you know, we've done the first 10, first 15 years of Radiohead with this episode. Maybe we'll get into the last 15 years for the last 20 Someone years else of, needs Radiohead, to write, uh, uh, of Radiohead with something. Yes. With the phrase glistening sh- sausages, maybe we should transition into the end part of this episode. I feel like I've come full circle with explaining my position of Radiohead. Oh, I know. And after uh, uh, an hour and 40 minutes, get back to like, well, wait, have you heard this one song? And I will say, no, I've listened to enough <laughs> Radiohead songs to form an opinion. But that is not to say that we didn't enjoy uh, having you here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> talking about can Radio you imagine Ed. if you're like well actually uh, I didn't read, enjoy that at all maybe uh, read the there's a quote from Ed at the end of the book that yeah. I think really sure I think it's good that he uh, one good thing about this book I think this is a nice little way to you know wrap yeah, up yeah, the yeah go that for was, it go for it was a decent book but Please. he says uh, this comment reminded me of something Tom said back in Barcelona that aiming and missing is the whole premise. Mm. Absolutely, Ed responded with enthusiasm. It really is. I remember reading something that Brian Eno said in some magazine about the importance of limitations. And I was thinking, oh, God, I'm not sure whether maybe that's just justifying, justifying his own position, but he's absolutely right. There's nothing more uh, the kiss of death vis-a-vis a musician than if he can do everything by the age of 16 and mm-hmm. can play every lead guitar mm-hmm. riff to every song. It's very, very dangerous unless you approach it in the way that, say, Picasso did as a painter. At age nine, he was a child prodigy, but then he decided, enough, I'm putting down my tools. I'm going to approach it in a totally different way. So I think you've got to be careful. Virtuosity is a thing, but if you've learned all the rules, which we haven't, you've got to go, right, hang on a sec. I can do this one way now. I've got all this background. Forget all that and start anew. Um, and I think that's kind of sums up their trajectory as a band right. and why I think I love what they are able to do, even though on their last album, I think they kind of 
got themselves back together and did what they remembered they do were best. Their best at. Um, but just for their career, they've they've done, uh, in my mind, very, very uh, interesting and uh, just, it's good music. I, I love the music that they make. It's just good music. I think maybe you and I both appreciate that you can find like, they build to these like moments of transcendence and they don't extend them for extension's sake. And that's yeah. like their whole career, right? Is like these, it's the, you know, the word essay comes from the meaning the Greek to try. Word attempt. Yes, yes, I, I'm familiar with the same. Yeah, the I don't know. I I think that there's I I find listening pleasure in that. Maybe you do too. Of the idea of like rooting around for the thing, and even if you don't find the thing, mm-hmm. the travel to it is. And Chris loves. I think you love a groove, a locking into. Yes. And then the extension and the pleasure comes in the yes. digging in. Yes. Those are two different styles of approaches. Just uh, in, in the same way that two, two paintings would be different. Bangers and mash. Bangers and mash. Bangers and mash. This is where we need the like, subliminal messaging. Bangers and mash. Bangers and mash. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, well, I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the difference between me who appreciates, appreciates the bangers and you guys who appreciate the mash, which is rooting around in, in, in different forms to find the, the You like that moments. perfectly formed sausage yeah. honed the craft, the, the craft the honed over with years the, the meaty of, insides yes. burst, trying to burst out. Yeah, and we like that mash of just like getting in there, the, the squeezing chunks. those yeah, yeah, potatoes. Yeah. I also think uh, <laughs> one thing that might, uh, I think that is an annoying part of... Uh, their um of of the the people that that love radiohead that you might be annoyed by uh and one thing that i think i like to focus on is uh that they are uh their inspiration to musicians and to music itself yes in a way that i can see specifics uh of how they've approached music uh their careers as major label musicians and uh, kind of fighting against the music industry while still existing in it, uh, I think they've done incredibly well. Um, and I think from that, there's they've they've become pretty godlike to a lot of musicians, mm. and then that can be pretty annoying yes. <laughs> to to hear all these musicians say like, "You can't talk about Radiohead; they're gods." Uh, they're just musicians just like everybody else. Like, I, Deer Hoof is one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Uh, I think I said that they were my favorite. Current I have, band. I have made. You're, 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 right now, your, your favorite band to listen to. It's like Brian band. Regan. I have, they're both favorites. Yeah. <laughs> <I like it>. <laughs> Grape. <laughs> no, Cherry. Grape. Um, <laughs> uh, and Deer Hoof, uh, heroes of mine, um, I, got into them a little bit later but uh they opened for radiohead and i'm like oh yeah so of course they're inspired by radiohead um they did an interview where they're like nah i never listened to a radiohead (laughs) that is so funny (laughs) and part of me literally a bad part of me was like oh screw them like what the fuck (laughs) and i'm like what am i thinking this is deer hoof like i can't have that well you know why yeah uh deer hoof rips 
Oh, they're so. I saw Which them over why Mr. Kiwi. I can understand uh, why they haven't. Wait, you to saw them at Mr. Kiwi? Oh, yep. in uh, in um, Market Hotel. Market Hotel, yeah. Oh but my like god, in Market the... in Mr. Kiwi, like after the show? No, no, or no. no. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you, you you said you ran to them in the supermarket. Um, okay, you saw I them. Wish. At, yeah, because that'd be cool. I had them sign. I had Greg sign my Starbucks I've never coupon. Seen one time. <laughs> <laughs> we, all right, we got to wrap up. Anyway, sorry. We've almost been going two hours. Deerhoof. Fucking rips, which is why I can tell that they don't really listen to Radiohead. Uh, they change it up a little bit, though. And I'll end it on that uh, on that note. Um, we'll let you have the last word. Okay. This time. Yes. And with that, let me move confidently into the end part of this episode. Ooh. Masita, is there anything that you would like to plug? Um, I make music. Yeah. <laughs> Where? How do you make music? Where can we find it? How would you prefer people to listen to it? Um, on Zooms. Spotify is pretty cool. Uh, is it? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's working for now. Uh, <laughs> go to Spotify, Mesita, and look for the one that's not the rapper from Uruguay or whatever. Some guy just started using my name. I'm like, oh, ooh, that's, uh-oh, that's cease and assist. Uh, can, can we can we play the end part of this off with a uh, a track? Uh, do Black White Fantano posted it. He liked this song. Oh, oh, good. Ooh, get in the stream. There's a human being who like you know what I mean, right? Talking about humans. Reporting music. Yeah, this is, bl- this is Black White by Masita. Uh, so look up Masita. That is uh, M E S I T A. Yes. On Spotify, uh, listen to your to your music. Do I have to sing along with it? It's a, yeah. I don't know the lyrics. <laughs> um, and you you've also been on like Twitter. A, uh, yeah. Making oh, yeah. So, five second songs. I've been on people. Twitter annoying everybody. Uh, <laughs> I've been making five second songs. So so what's your at? My at is Masita Music. At Masita Music, and if somebody, uh, if any of our listeners at you and say five second song, please, will you make a five second song for them? Totally. And also, I follow back. So yeah, great. Ooh. Get Masita more followers. F four F. Follow for uh, follow. Listen, listen to listen to your Spotify. Listen to my Spotify. Don't go to Facebook. Facebook is terrible. Yeah, no, yeah. nobody goes to Facebook. Oh, this this grooves. I like this. <laughs> uh, Change it up a lot. I like to leave things, make things go away very quick. All right, Ooh. not in this one. So I will uh, let this play us out. We are and have been and are always and introducing podcasts. You can follow us at Twitter on at and intro pod. Uh, send us an email at and introducing pod at gmail.com. I would like to shout out the listener who sent us an email saying it's okay that we release episodes irregularly because we're so good that they appreciate whenever we send uh, episodes out. That makes me feel good when we have to skip a week because of my uh, touring schedule or other complex. Um, So thank you, listener, who sent the email about how it's okay that we skip weeks. Um, You you absolved me of tremendous amount of personal guilt that I hold on to myself about not releasing episodes standardly every two weeks, no matter what. Uh, our SoundCloud is, as always, at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. And remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, you should rate and review as well. We've gotten a new review as recently as the last uh, week. Uh, so give us a shout out there. Positive vibes only. And one that I've been missing recently is most importantly, tell a friend. Find somebody in person and tell them that you enjoy this podcast i think word of mouth is the best way to spread info about these things and uh you know if you find somebody and tell them that you like the show uh tell them to then instruct two more people or tell two more people that they like the show yes uh we love to hear that people enjoy this uh, hopefully everybody who found us from the 9-11 episode last week stuck, stuck around to listen to radiohead 
Um, yada, 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 yada. That's a beautiful duet. That's my Tom York from, uh, impression to send us out. Yes. Thank you. It's beautiful. We have more coming in two more weeks here on And Introducing. Introducing.